This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, and it is Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on our website, we give away, so enjoy those on us. Now then, to start things out here tonight, last week... The news came down about the Jose Padilla or Padilla verdict, whichever way you prefer to pronounce it. He they, prefers it Padilla, apparently, which I find shockingly hard to believe. <laughs> um, At this point, he doesn't prefer much. He's a babbling idiot. All that time in the uh, um, spent under the custody of the federal authorities, got getting you know, God knows what happened to him. He apparently isn't in very good mental shape. Obviously, we've been following the Padilla case as it's developed and. I, I told you we'd bring you the latest, right? So uh, you might have been wondering why Free Talk Live hadn't gotten to it yet. Uh, well, the reason was that eh, the news came out, and it was sort of like your standard news reporter version of the story. And I like it when the liberty-minded people get their hands on the facts and put together something a little bit more intriguing. So, for instance, uh, Paul Craig Roberts over at LewRockwell.com has done a little write-up on what the Padilla ver- uh, verdict means to you. Now, Paul Craig Roberts um, was a, uh, a staffer for the Rep- Reagan um, administration. Is that correct? That is correct. And so not exactly a uh, le- you know a righty fringy or anything like that. Or progressive loon right. or anything. Right. So, uh, again, LewRockwell.com, the source. Let's get into the Padilla situation. Jose Padilla's conviction on terrorism charges on August 16th was a victory. Not for justice, but for the U.S. Justice Department's theory that a U.S. citizen can be convicted, not because he committed a terrorist act, but for allegedly harboring aspirations to commit such an act. Mm -hmm. You know, the conspiracy charges? Yeah, conspiracy is disturbing. By agreeing with the Justice Department's theory, the incompetent Padilla jury delivered a deadly blow to the rule of law and opened Pandora's box. Anglo-American law is a human achievement 800 years in the making. Over centuries, law was transformed from a weapon in the hands of government into a shield of the people from an unaccountable power. The Padilla jury's verdict turned law back into a weapon. The jury, of course, had no idea of what was at stake. It was a patriotic jury that appeared in court with one row of jurors dressed in red, one in white, and one in blue. You're kidding me. I, I, I am shocked at that. He cites the Washington Post as the source for that. It was a jury primed to be psychologically and emotionally manipulated by federal prosecutors desperate for a conviction for which there was little, if any, supporting evidence. For the jury, patriotism required that they strike a blow for America against terrorism. No member of this jury was going to return home to accusations of letting off a person who's been portrayed as a terrorist in the media for five years. The evidence against Padilla consisted of three items. Number one. Seven intercepted telephone conversations. Two, a 10-year-old non-relevant video of Osama bin Laden. And three, (laughs) an alleged application to a Mujahideen, not terrorist, training camp with Padilla's fingerprints. We will examine each piece in turn. The International Herald Tribune and Associated Press reported in detail on the telephone intercepts. Quote, accused al-Qaeda operative Jose Padilla was never overheard using purported code words for violent jihad in an intercepted telephone conversations and spoke often about his difficulties in learning Arabic while studying in Egypt. The lead FBI case agent testified Tuesday. Now, to learn, for the reason for learning Arabic, um, it's my understanding is that you have... 
to properly read the Quran, you have to understand Arabic. Isn't that okay. correct? I don't know anything it's, about the Quran. Okay. Um, it is uh, printed in its original uh, tongue and then translated on the next on the same page, generally. And, hmm. and the idea of a devout Muslim is to be able to read it in its original uh, text. Sort of equivalent to reading the Bible in Hebrew or something. Well, and Greek. Um, it's in two languages. <laughs> um, Shows what I know. Yeah. I, I think that a you know, good Christian that was very interested in those things should consider that, yeah. So the questioning of uh, the FBI agent James Kavanaugh by Padilla attorney Michael Caruso focused on seven intercepted phone calls on which Padilla's voice is heard, mostly talking about his marriage and his studies, but never about Islamic extremism. Caruso asked Kavanaugh if Padilla ever was heard using what prosecutors say were code words for violent jihad. And the FBI agent replied, no, he does not. Caruso asked Kavanaugh, the detective, if uh, Padilla was ever overheard discussing jihad training. Quote, no jihad training that I've seen, Kavanaugh said. He's not referring to anything here but studying Arabic, correct? Asked the defense attorney. Study means study, right? Caruso asked. That's what they're talking about. Replied the FBI agent. Despite the FBI's testimony... Is there any evidence against this guy, just out of curiosity? We'll find out. Despite the the jury thought so. Well, I'm not sure that they necessarily did. The jury wearing red, white, and blue colors, apparently. Uh, Despite the FBI's testimony that this is like surreal stuff here. uh, That the intercepted telephone messages contain no incriminating evidence. The patriotic jury accepted the federal prosecutor's unsupported accusation that there were hidden code words in the message indicating that Padilla was indeed a terrorist. After all, who but a terrorist would want to learn Arabic? The video of bin Laden, I think that your statement earlier, answers the question, who besides a terrorist would want to learn Arabic? Someone who wants to read the Koran. Anyway, the video of bin Laden had no relevance whatsoever to the charges in the case. It's 10 years old and makes no reference to any of the defendants. Moreover, none of the defendants were accused of ever being in contact with bin Laden. The only purpose of the video was to arouse in the jurors fear, anger, and disturbing memories associated with September 11th of 2001. Now, my question is, um, can at my trial, can they show... Um I don't know what you know. If if I were to have a trial, can they show Jews being gassed at Nuremberg? Can they show? Uh, Apparently, they can just show whatever the hell emotional garbage. Can they, they want show to. Warner Brothers cartoons? I, I, you know, this is irrelevant stuff. I can't believe that they even allowed that. Well, they were. I mean, the guy was railroaded. They 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 asked. They um the the court came down with a ruling. This guy had to be charged, so they charged him with something, and then they railroaded him, just like they love to do with. So many people, tax do- so-called tax dodgers and any enemy of the state, they've been targeted. They're going down. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, the, amazing. the fact that the judge let prosecutors sway a fearful and vengeful patriotic jury with emotion and passion rather than evidence is obviously grounds for an appeal. Horisky reports that uh, this is, uh, yeah, that, that in their closing statements, prosecutors... But, you know, once he's been convicted, it doesn't really matter if he wins an appeal, other than for him. Right. It'll be nice for him to be out so that he can, I don't know, babble in the um, Babylon and mm. his, uh, you know, insanity at this point. But it doesn't really, it's not really a vi- victory for, for freedom and, and the Constitution and the way things, the rule of law in this country. This is, just, this is just more evidence that all that is gone. Paul, I mean, Paul Craig Roberts is making the argument that the Pandora's box was open with this, and we'll see if he, if he continues to pursue that argument. But it seems to me like you know, conspiracy charges have been around forever. They've just been in the drug world instead of the terrorist world. Uh, Horisky reports that their closing arguments, prosecutors mentioned al-Qaeda more than 100 times. 
and urged jurors to think of al-Qaeda and groups alleged to be affiliated with it as an international murder conspiracy. Padilla trained to kill, said the assistant U.S. attorney Brian Frazier as he misinformed the jury in his closing statement. Who Padilla wished to kill was never identified. But according to the prosecutors, he'd been wanting to kill persons unknown since 1998. Padilla was convicted for harboring alleged intentions, not for committing any acts. Indeed, no harmful acts are charged to Padilla. The incompetent jury fell for the prosecutor's wild tale of a murder conspiracy many years old that had no results. As Andrew Cohen put it, Padilla and the two co-defendants were convicted on the charge of terrorist wannabes on the basis of, quote, evidence that federal authorities did not believe amounted to a crime when it was gathered back before 2001. Remember, he was originally a dirty bomber. That was the alleged reason they picked him up in the first place, because he was supposedly involved in a plot to blow something up, and they never bothered to charge him with any dirty bomb-related charges, but they brought out these conspiracy charges instead. Well, I guess if you were... Because they had nothing. I guess if you were just, uh, you know, deciding that, you know, talking about being a dirty bomber rather than being a dirty bomber... Um, Which they don't have any evidence of that Conspiracy or um, racketeering would be the sort of thing that uh, one would charge you with, but I... You, know, you would think that they had some evidence. I would expect to hear Doesn't something. Doesn't sound like it. I haven't, heard it. I haven't heard it yet. Cohen concludes, quote, It's further proof that if you can convince an American jury that a man in the dock had anything to do with al-Qaeda, you can pretty much bank on a conviction, no matter how tenuous the evidence. The training camp application form is as suspect as any evidence can be. We'll look at that in a moment. And uh, take your calls about whatever you want, 800-259-9231. If you want to comment on how you feel about the Jose Padilla verdict, you feel like it's going to help keep America safe, this is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. (laughs) And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on this site we give away. And that includes the Shrine of Female listeners with dozens and dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photos and prove they listen to the show. You can see what I mean by heading on over to shrine.freetalklive.com. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does this bother you? Well, it bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com for the sleep you've been dreaming of. That's SavvyRest.com. You know, uh, we sleep on these mattresses on on a regular basis, and most people aren't affected by these chemicals, I guess, because we're alive. But you never know if your kid's going to be the one that uh, has some kind of allergy to something in there, and who's going to ever think of a mattress? And i got to tell you, um, I was actually pleasantly uh, surprised with the Savvy Rest mattress. It was very, it's very nice. It is. It's, uh, it's a great thing to sleep on. Good stuff. Um, and they, their website's easy to use. They've got a lot of information. So. I've never had such a nice mattress. Anyway, Savvy Rest. I used to have one of the Tempur-Pedics uh, back in the day. Yeah, what do you think about thing, that comparatively? This ranks right up there. You, it's you, you it's feel like definitely it's... a competitor to the Tempur-Pedic, except it's more uh, more healthy. Yes. You know, it's got, it doesn't have the, the chemicals. Right. So... Hmm. Anyway, very cool. And apparently the latex technology has been around for a while. Yeah, my mother had one when I was a kid. Right. So it's time-tested. Yep. All right. Um, so SavvyRest.com, we're back to the Padilla story, talking about this just this sad, sad case of railroading on the uh, the part of the federal government of this guy. He, I mean, There's just no evidence. They didn't, oh, wait, there was a form. 
That's right. So they had some audio tapes of Padilla on the phone uh, where he never said anything. According to the FBI investigators, he was asked, the FBI investigators were asked, did he use any code words? Nope, didn't use any code words. He was just talking about his life mm-hmm. on these phone calls. So, Good thing they had that in his trial. Uh, that wasn't so much of uh, any sort of evidence. And then uh, then you've got this 10-year-old that, video. That his phone was tapped. Right. You've got a 10-year-old non-relevant video of Osama bin Laden. Didn't have anything to do with Jose Padilla. They just played that to get people scared. They played that they to, were able to do that. To uh, pull on the emotions of the jurors who were, Can't by the they way, got away with it. Who were, by the way, apparently uh, wearing red, white, and blue in the, the rows in the jury pool area. Mm-hmm. Uh, one row red, one row white, one row blue. You've so got to be... I mean, do you it's think just that like, any of these people thought to themselves, oh, I'm not going to be the juror that's going to hold this up. I People people would hang me. Who knows what they were thinking? I, I don't know, but they weren't thinking very hard, that's for sure. But here's the real piece of evidence, Mark. The form. Did you know that tr- uh, terrorists... They have their forms, too? They have the little application forms? Yeah. You know, if there ever was a cooked-up piece of evidence, <laughs> it's a form. I'm sorry, an application there's, form for terrorist yeah. school? There's only, one, there's only one group of people in the world that really has an affinity for forms. Who is that? That would be the government. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, back to Paul Craig Roberts at LewRockwell.com. He says the training camp application form is as suspect as any evidence can be. Moreover, the prosecution had no evidence that Jose Padilla actually attended such a camp. Padilla was held illegally for 3.5 years by the government and tortured, which, which we've reported on on this show in detail. At any time during his illegal detention and torture, Padilla could have been handed a form, thus tainting it with his fingerprints. Mm. And remember, you said that he's a babbling madman now because of all this. Uh, that, that's what they've said. I abuse. mean, I, all I can, you know, all I can go by is so, what the, the press says. I mean, it's, it's been alleged that they've ge- they've given him uh, psychotic, uh, psychotropic medication like LSD. So for all uh, for all we know, they doped him up, brought out this form. This I think I, when I originally he doesn't mention it in here, but I, when I originally read the uh, AP article about his conviction, they said it was a five page long form. And I immediately thought to myself, you have got to be kidding me. A form? A terrorist training camp application form? Are you telling me that real terrorists are going to keep paperwork on file about their, <laughs> about their applicants? Either it's not terrorist school or it's a, a cooked up form. Yeah, it seems to me like it's totally cooked up. And it's completely believable what, uh, what Paul Craig Roberts is suggesting here. Remember, this guy used to work for the Reagan administration. Anyway, the idea that this guy was being tortured, that he was being drugged, and how hard would it be to sit this dude in a room, put a form in front of him while he's on high on LSD or something like that, grab his fingerprints, stick you know, grab his fingers, stick them in some ink, and put them on the form? Fingerprints on a terrorist application form? Well, why would you have to get ink? I, mean, I guess they don't do the ink thing anymore. No, no, it's oil, um, oils from your hands. Apparently, paper is supposed to be one of the best things for getting fingerprints off of. I don't know. I sort of got the impression that it was an application form. Where he put so a they st- were thumbprint? Yeah. No, no. I, I, don't think it, I don't think it's even that much. I think that it's an application form um, for terrorist school that they've got his fingerprints on. Well, which does we haven't mean seen that, it, so Which does know. mean that he touched the form that shows, right. you know, it's proof positive <laughs> that he, he touched it. I can't imagine that there's a thumbprint uh, for the terrorist school. That doesn't make any sense. But th- then again, an application form doesn't 
doesn't either. So we know how badly abused this man was. To expect a person as badly tortured and abused as Padilla to retain the wits not to touch a piece of paper handed to him or forced into his hands is unreasonable. When Padilla was arrested five years ago in 2002, the U.S. government charged that he was about to set off a radioactive dirty bomb in a U.S. city that could kill tens or even hundreds of thousands of Americans. The story, of course, was a total lie. A fabrication designed to keep the fear level high after 9-11 in order to keep support for Bush's regime's wars and domestic police state. None of the charges on which Padilla was illegally held during those years before the U.S. Supreme Court intervened and ordered the Bush regime to release Padilla or bring him to trial were part of the charges on which Padilla was tried. There's little doubt that Padilla's conviction, and probably also the convictions of the two co-defendants, is a terrible injustice. But the damage done goes far beyond the damage to the defendants. What the red, white, and blue Padilla jury has done is to overthrow the U.S. Constitution and give us the rule of men. The U.S. Constitution and Anglo-American legal tradition prevent indictments, much less convictions, based on a prosecutor's theory that a person wanted to commit a crime in the past or might want to in the future. Padilla has harmed no one. There's no evidence that he made an agreement with any party to harm anyone, whether for money or for ideology or for any reason. The FBI testified the phone calls were innocuous, the Bin Laden video was evidence of nothing pertaining to the defendants, and the piece of paper, alleged to be a personnel form recovered from an al-Qaeda camp in Afghanistan, is nothing but a piece of paper and an assertion. As Lawrence Stratton and I demonstrated in our book, The Tyranny of Good Intentions, the protective features of law have been seriously eroded prior to the Bush regime's assault on civil liberty in the name of the war on terror. You can thank the war on drugs for that one. The U.S. Constitution and the Bill of Rights rest on Blackstone's commentaries and the laws of England. Blackstone explained the law as a protective principles against tyranny, habeas corpus, attorney-client privilege, no crime without intent, no retroactive law, no self-incrimination. We've seen all of that just just urinated on by this government at state and federal levels. Jeremy Bentham claimed that these protective principles were outmoded in a democracy in which the people controlled the government and no longer had reasons to fear it. The problem with Blackstone's rights of Englishmen, Bentham said, is that these civil liberties needlessly limit the government's power, and thus its ability to protect citizens from crime. Bentham wanted to preempt criminal acts by arresting those likely to commit crimes in advance, before budding criminals entered into a life of crime. Bentham, like the Bush regime, sort of like in uh, that Tom Cruise movie, Minority Report. Mm. That's where we're going in this country. Uh, Bentham, like the Bush regime, the Padilla jury, and the Republican Federalist Society didn't understand that when law becomes a weapon, liberty dies, regardless of the form of government. More on the way. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online, freetalklive.com, the place to go. The features on the site we give away, and those features include the bulletin board system. We've got over a quarter of a million posts. It's a lot. In fact, uh, over 1,600 people are interacting. You can talk about serious issues. You can talk about fun stuff and everything else in between. All for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That is bbs.freetalklive.com. 
LegalZoom.com. Now you can save time and money on common legal matters created by top attorneys. LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like setting up a corporation or a limited liability company. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. And I just talked to somebody today who used LegalZoom and our little code, FTL, to save 10%. Great. And he's like, boy, I can't believe I didn't do that sooner. Well, there you it go. It's just easy and cheap. According to him. That's what I like to hear. Satisfied customers. 800-259-9231. Just some final thoughts on the Padilla railroading that went on last week. You probably heard the news that Jose Padilla was convicted by a jury of his peers in a courtroom in America of uh, evil crimes of plotting to destroy things. Well, uh, turns out the evidence really wasn't so great. Somewhat tenuous. In fact, uh, Paul Craig Roberts over at LouRockwell.com has been pretty much outlining the situation. Uh, they had some telephone conversations, a video of Osama bin Laden, which has nothing to do with Mr. Padilla. The phone conversations were testified in court by the FBI to have nothing to do with code words or anything evil being plotted. And uh, the application for a training camp was allegedly discovered in some, uh, you know, Afghanistan training camp, which you just have to take the government's word for that one. Apparently, it was a Mujahideen uh, training camp, not an Al-Qaeda training camp. Yeah. Isn't that correct? Uh, Yes, apparently so. Now, what is a Mujahideen? That's not the jihad dudes. That's like some sort of religious deal? I, you know, I don't know everything about these things. And if I make some kind of statement, I know it's not Al-Qaeda. If I make some kind of statement, I'm going to be wrong. Anyway, the fact is, just because they found Jose Padilla's fingerprints on a piece of paper doesn't mean squat. It doesn't mean he was planning on blowing up buildings or anything. The fact is, the federal government had no hard evidence of any sort of planning on his part. I mean, they didn't have evidence of planning to do (laughs) something. But they convicted him on all sorts of conspiracy charges, which, of course, were made popular by the war on drugs. The concept of a conspiracy. You've been convicted of conspiracy to grow marijuana. Well, what? I just had a few seeds. Well, that means you were going to plant them sometime. Which, you don't know what I was going to do with the seeds. You have no idea. You're just presuming that. And uh, so the jury presumed that Jose Padilla had something to do with terrorism and convicted him, I believe, on all counts. Apparently, uh, Mujahideen is a religious school. Okay. The incompetent Padilla jury, according to Paul Craig Roberts, formerly of the Reagan administration and now writing at LouRockwell.com, has done Americans and their liberty far more damage than will ever be done by the terrorists. Other than those in our criminal justice system who now wield the powers that uh, Bentham wanted to give them, the Padilla case was the way the Bush Justice Department implemented its strategy for taking away the legal principles that protect American citizens. Padilla is an American citizen. He was denied habeas corpus and his rights to an attorney and due process. He was tortured in an attempt to coerce him into self-incrimination. In treating Padilla in these ways, the U.S. Department of Justice violated both the U.S. Constitution and federal law. There's no doubt whatsoever that the Justice Department committed far more crimes than did Mr. Padilla. By the time the Supreme Court finally intervened, Padilla was universally known as the demonized dirty bomber, an enemy combatant who was arrested before he could set off a radioactive bomb in a U.S. city. The Injustice Department could now simultaneously convict Padilla and enshrine Benthamite law law simply by appealing to fear and patriotism. And that's what happened. Under Benthamite law, the individual has no rights. The new calculus is the greatest good for the greatest number. Would that be utilitarianism? Very much so. I think so. As determined by the wielders of power, on the basis of this new law, not written by Congress, but invented by the Injustice Department and made precedent by the Padilla jury, 
the U.S. can now lock people up based on the percentage of crime committed by their race, gender, income class, or ethnic group. Under Benthamite law, people can be arrested and prosecuted for thought crimes. Under Benthamite law, it's the government that protects the people, not the Constitution and the Bill of Rights that protect the individual. Benthamite law makes advocacy speech, for example, a call to uh, overthrow the U.S. government, upheld in the 1969 Supreme Court decision Brandenburg v. Ohio, a serious federal crime. The idea that we might say something about overthrowing the federal government could be a terrorist So as threat. recently as 69, you could talk about overthrowing the United States government. That's correct. And that was your constitutional right. Now, maybe not so much. The Padilla jury has opened Pandora's box. Unless the conviction is overturned on appeal, American liberty has died in their verdict. 800-259-9231. Now, you know, Paul Craig Roberts is embellishing a little bit here. Uh, American liberty's been sort of being stabbed and its throat being cut and just eviscerated for several years. Uh, again, the, the war on drugs being a, a major factor in the just... Uh, the whittling away of your freedoms and your rights. And this is just the next step. This war on terror, we've already seen it uh, being so invasive. Uh, we've already seen it costing billions of dollars, and we're now seeing it take more and more freedoms. Uh, the habeas corpus was already gone before this case uh, had, had completed. It wasn't entirely gone. It was uh, not gone for... Uh Citizens, at least. I mean, most. Well, it is if you get labeled an unlawful yeah, enemy combatant. That's true. It's gone. You're right. All they have to do now, according to the law called the Military it's Commissions Act, passed in 2006, is a panel of the president's men, people he appoints to a specific panel, mm-hmm. can say, hmm, Mark, we believe you're an unlawful enemy combatant. They can come, pick you up at your house. I'm expecting that any day now. And uh, then take you to an unannounced military facility where you will be held. Um, until they're ready to do whatever it is they want to do with you, like put you in front of a military tribunal, for and instance. And incommunicado, because um, you, you can't talk to your lawyer. Right. You won't get in front of the Padilla jury, even. You'll be in a military tribunal. This is all completely legal now in this wacky, crazy world of uh, extra-constitutional governmental affairs. What do you think about that? 800-259-9231. Does it make you feel good, make you feel safe, make you feel warm and cozy at night? One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's talk to Carl in Montreal as we go to the phones and do the fun. Carl, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. I think this is terrible. You know, if this case law is going to be misused, and I just see this fourth right of George Bush. That's the only one that this is going to, you know, benefit. Careful, Carl. That might be a terroristic threat. They may well, have to Canada. invade right. Canada to come <laughs> and get you. I know they already give, put me through all sorts of hell already with their judicial system and their lies and. I know, it's just... I'm well, they're just trying to, to keep people against. safe, Carl. Obviously, you're a violent, violent man who uh, must be stopped. See, I'm not afraid to speak out against them and speak my mind. You know, they might not like it and lock me up, but see, I believe in speaking the truth and speaking out for others, you know. I'm not with you. Not letting them intimidate me. Now, um, I am totally with that, and I, I, I hope that more Americans can, can stay strong in their uh, convictions to continue speaking out for what they believe in, to continue speaking out against the tyrannical power of the state. But as they continue to crack down, as more people uh, come under the thumb of the federal government for whatever the alleged crimes are, inevitably that's going to have a bit of a silencing power on, on people. They're going to, people are going to get scared when they see people getting arrested for, uh, for more innocuous things than what Jose Padilla was, was charged with. Carl, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. 
Now, on the way here tonight, we've still got a lot of other things to talk about. In fact, uh, Mark, you have the seven ways to become a positive person. And that sounds interesting to me because it's something, it's important that in these times of, of negativity, in these times where we're surrounded by, well, people that are scared and frightened and willing to turn over their liberty at a moment's notice to some government masquerading as the uh, the knight in shining armor, just hand the citizens, hand over, hand over your freedoms, and we promise protection. That's all you have to do is just give up your liberties, and you'll be safe. In this time of uh, negati- negativity, where we see the government growing and getting more and more oppressive and more tyrannical and awful, it's very important to be able to stay positive. So we'll get to that, hopefully, maybe hour number two. In the meantime, uh, we can talk to you about whatever's on your mind at 800-259-9231. Also on the way here, the technology war. The format war is in high gear. Remember beta versus VHS? It's happening again. Free Talk Live. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up what you want. The toll-free number for you, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And the number again, 800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got lots of stuff on our site. We give it away, uh, and we ask that you voluntarily support us in return for all of that by going to amp.freetalklive.com and becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier, as have done hundreds of our listeners who've decided that they appreciate the fact that we give all of our stuff away on our website, and they just want to show their support for the program. And the idea is you send in 3 bucks a month, and it's easy to do. It's automated via PayPal account or any major credit card, and there's some other options as well. They go to amp.freetalklive.com to learn more about the program, advertise, market, and promote. We take that money in, and we turn it around into promoting the show, to uh, getting the show on more radio stations and spreading the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible. So get all the details. Learn about the perks you'll get access to as well at amp.freetalklive.com. As we go to the phones and to the fund, John in California. John, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello? Hey, what's on your mind, John? Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Good. Um, good. Uh, I had a question in regards to uh, registering Republican. Um, okay. Now, I, I have a, you know, a MySpace account, a bunch of Ron Paul friends and whatnot, and I see you know, there's this whole push. Oh, make sure you register Republican if you live in certain states uh, to vote for Ron Paul. Mm-hmm. Right. Because some states you have to register at least 30 days in advance of the election, of the, of the primary election, in order to be able to vote in that primary election. The primary election. Okay. I'm just, like, government illiterate. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you, Mark answered your question, or what was your question, sir? Well, I mean, I just know that's that the primary. That's, like, the the last... Uh, uh, I mean, I don't I don't get, like, what the primary is. I mean, I just figured if I voted for Ron Paul, it would count. I mean... Okay, here's how it works. Um, the voting situation in most states is set up to be as inconvenient as it can possibly be <laughs> for people. Uh, you know, they don't really want you to participate. Here in New Hampshire, we've got it easy. We can walk into a voting location uh, as long as it's the one that's appropriate to our, uh, the, you know, where we're supposed to go. If we go to the correct polling location, even if you go to the wrong one, they'll point to the right one. But you can just walk in here, and uh, you can register to vote on the same day, and you can register as in the coolest thing here, is you can register undeclared as far as your can- your party is concerned. And so if you're an undeclared voter in New Hampshire, you can walk in and say, I declare myself as a Republican today. And they will give you the Republican primary ballot. You will go and vote, 
and then when you walk back out, you say, I am now declaring myself as undeclared. And you will once again be undeclared, and you can walk out. So I don't think it gets any easier than that. In other states, like where we come from in Florida, probably out in California as well, where you're at, they try to make it as onerous and as difficult as possible. You'll have to go and contact uh, the you know whatever the city clerk is where you live, the supervisor of elections. The, if you go to the city clerk, um, you can uh, register as decline to state, which is unaffiliated. In California, you're talking in about in Cal- California? In California. This is according to the uh, Cal- you know the California I don't know lwv.org. Um, you can. Uh, Register as declined to state, and then during the primaries, all you have to do is walk in and say, I would like to vote Republican. The California, oh, so they let you declare in California. The That's California good. Republican Party has agreed to let unaffiliated voters vote for their candidates during their primaries. So okay. just call yourself unaffiliated. Don't say independent, otherwise you'll end up as the American Independent Party. Right. That's, That's bad. That'll confuse you. Um, so, yeah, unaff- unaffiliated is the answer. And the American and Independent Party is not going to be in the primaries. And you want to take, uh, you want to make, make sure you take care of this sooner rather than later so you don't forget and then discover, oh, no, it's too late, I can't do it. Um, okay, certainly. Uh, I have one other question. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, well, okay, this is about, um, I'm also saying about things about being a delegate. Okay, who could be, can anybody be a delegate or like what's That's delegate? a political party thing. Yeah, um, you have to be. A, you have to look into the Republican Party for that. Now, right. when you, when you, you have build, to be a member of the Republican Party in order to be one of their Now, delegates. let's clarify something okay. here. This is another possible confusing aspect. There's a difference between being a registered party member, like a registered Republican or Libertarian or Democrat, and a party member. You can be registered and not be a party member. Right. You can be a party member and not be registered, or you can be a party member and be registered. Right. A party. Um. The the part the Republican Party of California is like a club. You likely have to pay some kind of membership dues in order to be part of that club, and that club will des- will decide who their delegates are, based on whatever you know whatever their decision making process is. And it has little or nothing to do with whether you're a registered Republican. Likely, you will be a registered Republican if you decide to go to be part of the California Republican Party. Because, you know, who wouldn't? And you asked what is a primary. It is basically a political election to wheedle down uh, the field of potential candidates. Right. George, oh, Bush, um, uh, George Bush was the Republican in uh, 2000, the, the year 2000. He had to, to beat several other Republicans before he could be the Republican nominee. It's like the semifinals, basically. It is yeah. the semifinals, right. There you go. Okay. Hope that okay. helps, man. It's Any kind of a round-robin uh, thing in the semifinals, too, because there can be more than one candidate. There can be, you know, seven Republicans. Now, wait. Now, also, in most primaries, can't the delegates, aren't they sort of the final decision? Like, it doesn't really matter what the people think. The delegates will make the choice. I believe that's the case. So even if a bunch of people go in and vote for Ron Paul, the delegates might just be Republican functionaries, and they'll vote for uh, Rudy Giuliani or something like that in the actual primary. So really, it's more right. of a show um, than anything else. It's not. Bi- it's apparently not very binding. Okay. So I hope that explains it. Any other well, thoughts? Hey, thank, thanks a lot, guys. Thank sure. you, John. Appreciate the call. Let's talk to Tim in Wisconsin. Tim, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, Tim, what's on your mind? uh, One of the things I couldn't help having to express is I I feel just like uh, one other caller said, um, you know, how one other caller was saying about, you know, not caring if, you know, if they, you know, hear what what he was saying. Because the the more I also have heard uh, stuff that Alex Jones has been exposing, the angrier angrier I couldn't help feeling like, you know, getting lately – you're saying you're saying you don't care if the government hears you say uh, you know the anti-government thoughts or pro-freedom thoughts that sort of thing. Like you're talking about speaking out and not being afraid to speak out. Is that what you're referring to, sir? Yeah. Okay. Your thoughts? Um, 
and uh, I, I also have uh, this song I I wrote and, and composed uh, and recorded called uh, I'm, I'm Not Giving My Freedom Away. And, uh, Excellent. I, I, you know, uh, it's really important that uh, people who are liberty-minded um, types of individuals, that they continue to do the things that make them feel good as far as being an activist is concerned. So whether your activism is to you know, work on a website or whether it's to do uh, political activity or whether it's to stand out by the side of the road holding a sign to protest something or whether it's to write a song, uh, there's definitely a place for everybody in this movement. And uh, you know, I wish you the best of luck and thank you for the call. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. I'd like to hear that song sometime. Well, it's a talk radio show. So no, no, I wouldn't. I can't play it here. Hey, here's the news out of uh, Los Angeles. The Associated Press reporting the format war continues as Paramount Pictures and DreamWorks SKG will offer next-generation DVDs in the HD DVD format and drop support for Blu-ray, further complicating the race between the competing technologies. Monday's announcement affects the upcoming DVD release for Shrek the Third, as well as Transformers and uh, some other movies as well. Movies directed by Steven Spielberg, however, will continue to be released in both formats. Paramount, which owns DreamWorks and handles home sales for their separate company, DreamWorks Animation, was previously releasing movies in both of the formats, and they say that, quote, part of our vision is to aggressively extend our movies beyond the theater and deliver the quality and features that appeal to our audience, uh, says their executive. He says, I believe HD DVD is not only the affordable, high-quality choice for consumers, but also the smart choice for Paramount. The competition between Blu-ray and HD DVD has kept confused consumers from rushing to buy new DVD players until they can determine which format will dominate the market. Until recently, many consumers were able to defer the choice because players have been so expensive. But prices have already been slashed by about half. Sony's Blu-ray player now sells for $500, and Toshiba's cheapest HD DVD player is selling for $300, with both likely to include as many as five free movies as an incentive. So you've got the format war going on here all over again. Uh, It's beta and VHS round two, except now it's HD, DVD, and Blu-ray. What you've got are different movie companies like Universal and Paramount, Disney and and those guys, that are basically, um, they're picking sides. Some of them are offering their movies in both formats, but some of them have decided to, uh, you know, ally themselves with one format or the other. Likely they're incentivized in some way or or another by those formats. And I was looking at uh, the Wikipedia entry for Blu-ray and HD DVD, and, and look, and they've got a comparison chart there. And there really isn't that big of a difference between the two formats. It's some minor, minor differences. For instance, Blu-ray discs, uh, dual, dual-layered Blu-ray discs can hold 50 gigabytes. Now, by the way, today's DVDs, a single-layer disc holds about 4-point-something gigabytes. A, a dual-layer disc holds about 10. So you're looking at five times the storage capacity. Mm. Uh, HD DVDs hold about 30 gigabytes. So Blu-ray can hold more, more, which means you could encode your video at a slightly higher bit rate, but... These videos look nice either way. I mean, it's HD. It's it's HD. It looks really good. Yeah, uh, HD seems to have the leg up on. Uh, they've got price. name recognition. The, they've got name recognition. They've got price as well. Because HD TV, HD radio, even though these things are not affiliated in any way, shape, or form, the HD is something that people can uh, get behind just because they they're seeing a lot of advertising. Now, here's for. one interesting difference, though. The technology for Blu-ray requires new manufacturing techniques in factories, which boosts in, uh, costs for manufacturers. While HD DVDs are basically DVDs on steroids, meaning they can use their existing infrastructure to pump them out. Hour two's on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Who will win the format war? 
With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number two of the program. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features on the site we give away, so enjoy those. They're on us. Freetalklive.com. Now then, uh, I mentioned last hour that we were going to talk about the seven, what is it, the seven ways to become a positive person. And I think that's an important thing. I personally have not read these seven things you're going to be sharing with us here, uh, mm-hmm. with us here in a moment. Uh, but I, I like the concept. I like the idea of uh, being positive in one's life because there's just no point in being negative. If you're negative, you're going to bring yourself down. You're going to depress yourself. You're going to be angry all the time. And I can understand it's easy to be angry all the time. There's a lot to be angry about in this world. I mean, the the terrible things that the government does uh, in your name with your tax dollars, the the awful uh, obstructions of, of, of liberty, the destruction of liberty that's going on in this country. I mean, we report on terrible news frequently on Free Talk Live. So it can be kind of tough to, to stay positive and to keep a smile on your face. But as tough as it is, it's worth the effort. Yeah, I think the, that attitude is the number one thing as far as success goes in this world. If you want to be successful, you've got to believe in yourself. You've got to believe that, uh, that it's possible to succeed. Totally. Who wants to hang around with a bunch of negative Nancys anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, let's go ahead with the seven things that you can do to be uh, more positive in life. Number one. Where's this from, by the way? This is from, excuse me, todayisthatday.com. Okay. Mind your feelings. One of the hardest things about keeping a positive attitude or about self-improvement in general is remembering to constantly focus on the desired end result. Life throws lots of negativity at us, and it can sometimes go to the point where lashing out against the onslaught is nothing less than self-defense. However, if you create a negative state of mind by reacting in a less than positive manner, no matter how justified that reaction may be, doesn't matter you will still have created that negative state of mind. If you need to, bust your Jedi mind control and uh, get those emotions under control, lest they control you. So if you're, I don't know, listening to Free Talk Live, you're hearing a lot of uh, corrupt cop stories, and you think, I got one coming up. I hate those darn police officers. That's not going to hurt the police officers. It's going to hurt you. So it's one thing to know about bad things that go on in, in America and want to do something about them, it's another thing entirely to let this stuff consume you. Do not. Right. I don't think they're saying that you should be fake in your happiness, but that you should be genuinely interested in pursuing happiness. That uh, And, by the way, if you're not feeling happy, faking being happy does work. It will make you feel better. Yeah, I love that technique, by the way. When you're feeling down, when something bad, you get some bad news at work or something bad happens, so easy. Get in your car by yourself or do it around others. It's maybe more difficult for some people to do this around others. Mm-hmm. But uh, try it by yourself. Put a big old silly grin on your face. You're going to feel very, very silly. Yeah. Um, but it's okay. I, no one's around. They can't see you doing it. And look at yourself in the mirror while you do it as well. And uh, so you can you know, prove to yourself. It's that a you've great got a big technique that face. I learned um, at one point, which is almost exactly what you're saying, which is. Um, it was called 10 times more excited was mm. the, uh, the 
terminology for this. And it's, you know, get in your car mirror and just be as excited as you can possibly be for 15 yeah. seconds. Yeah, and you'll feel it. You will absolutely feel it. Got that from Landmark Education. Yeah, well, I got mine from uh, any other you know sales course, so they got it from somewhere. Yeah, else. and you, you probably got a lot cheaper. <laughs> yeah. Take out the trash. Number two, as you learn more and more about having a positive attitude, it may become easier to take on the belief that uh, the higher you get, the more you can look down on the others. I've mm. had this problem. Don't. I'm so happy. You're yes, just I peon. am. The, I am the new Messiah. <laughs> I am so much more evolved than the rest of you people. You just can't get over your little. Problems. Mm. Yeah, that's not going to help. I see. However, no matter how open-minded and understanding you manage to become, even in the face of adversity, there will always be people who regularly insist on bringing ne- negativity into your life. Get rid of them. Yes, that yes. goes back to the, uh, I don't remember what the top ten list we had, but it was it was something on our top ten list that was talking about how to you know make your life better. Mm-hmm. And, and that's uh, such an important one. You know, Get uh, rid of the, the, the downers. In uh, the... Alcoholics Anonymous program or uh, Narcotics Anonymous, depending on um, which one would be uh, proper for you, if, mm-hmm. if any. They call it getting rid of people, places, and things. If um, you have, you know, obviously this is a negative um, thing, being addicted to alcohol and that kind of thing. And if you continue to hang out with the people um, that you hung out with when, when you drank or when you used drugs, you're going to continue to do that stuff. Same is true with a bad attitude. If you're trying to get rid of a bad attitude, it's of no use to you. If you hang out with people that have bad attitudes, it's only going to make it worse. It'll come right back. I mean, even if you have the ability to sort of put it aside and say, oh, I'm done with this bad attitude or I'm done with this bottle of alcohol, if you keep hanging out with that same group of people, inevitably it will catch back up to you. Inevitably, you'll find yourself with another bottle in your hands. Inevitably, you'll find yourself going home angry one night. So it's so important to surround yourself with people who will enhance you. People who uh, have a similar mindset, a similar positive outlook on life, and you can all sort of build off of one another. It so, really does work. And I can hear people right now. You can't get rid of family members. You can't yes, fire you coworkers. Can. Well, no matter. Um, and you should. You may not be able to get, completely get rid of these people, but you can limit their inter- your interaction with them, and you can tell them to get lost if they're being negative. There is no obligation I'm sorry, I understand that society tells you that there is some sort of weird obligation to these family members of uh, of yours. The only obligation you have is to the people that make your life better. And if you want to continue tethering yourself to your abusive uncle or your angry father or whoever it is that's bringing you down, then that's your choice. You've made that choice. Society didn't make that choice for you. You've actively made the choice to continue to bring yourself down with some somebody who's uh, constantly being negative. Julia, for instance, had uh, my girlfriend. She's had a bit of a falling out with her uh, her father, and the, the guy was a real jerk to her. And as a result... She's just said, you know, screw it. I don't need you. She still talks to her mother, and her mom doesn't bother to even try to get her to talk to her dad because she understands. I mean, her mom doesn't even really think he's being that great. And, you know, that's just what you have to do. You have to turn them off. If you can't, if they're not making any progress, if they're not moving in the right direction either, and they continue to, to just be a downer, cut them off. Don't, don't feel bad about it. It's making your life better. That's what's important. You. Okay, um, reach for the gold, golden nuggets. It says, so what about those situations where there's negative energy and you just can't get away? Look for the good. There's some positive aspect to even the most mind-numbing situations. And by finding that silver lining, you can turn a perceived bad set of circumstances into something that works towards your own interest. 
having trouble figuring out how to be happy um, about obnoxious teenagers, what is uh, good about your jerk boss, or what possible positive outcome could happen as a result of your car breaking down. Each of these things gives us contrast. They teach us how to behave or not behave, and they teach us how to be better prepared, or they simply teach us to enjoy the times in our lives when those circumstances are not present. Would you really know how to appreciate a roaring fire and a cup of hot cocoa if you never came close to freezing to death after walking a mile in the snow after your car broke down? Mm. Well, that's really looking for the uh, uh, positive <laughs> there. Um, a mile, you might be able to get away with, uh, you know, gosh, I wish it was warmer. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> number four, plan your Good Samaritan effort. Every day, plan to do something completely selfless. I think this is great. No, you can't be... <laughs> what? I don't agree with the concept of selflessness. I, I, I understand. I don't agree with the concept of selflessness either. But I do understand that I get from doing something that we'll call selfless, quote unquote selfless. Do something for others. That uh, right. could be a, another you, way to If you term do that. something for someone else and you do something for, you know, in, in a charitable, philanthropic attitude, that you get something good in your heart out of it. And right. I think that this Which is. Which is a selfish move. And that's okay. It's fine. There's nothing I, wrong with that. I think that everything that everyone does, they absolutely do for themselves in the end. Totally. They make themselves feel They can feel tell better. themselves whatever they want, but in the end, it is for them. Every day you plan to do something um, completely selfless. No, it can't be something that looks selfless but is actually all about you. It has to be something that you do for someone else and you expect absolutely nothing in return. Of course, you're going to get that good feeling. But they don't. Uh, th- this uh, naming something today tangible. is that day dot com is yeah. not going to be uh, you not know, the libertarian mecca no. of uh, <laughs> opinion pieces. Just a positive right. uh, seven uh, step list here. That act doesn't have to be some major undertaking either. Do a chore around the house that you wouldn't normally do. Bring your coworker a cup of their favorite beverage from the coffee shop. Buy hold some, the door for somebody. Buy someone lunch. Hold the door. Help an elderly person load the groceries into their car. Do something like that every day. In fact, plan it out in advance so that you can be sure it gets done. the SACL CAI toll-free line. We have three more. Uh, These are the seven things that you can do to be a more positive person. Valuable stuff right here on Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control, toll-free, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, Ian, here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on our website are for free, and those features include the archives, an entire year's worth of the show, right there on the front page of the website for your downloading convenience. So enjoy those on us, freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice. For more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government, to learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. We are talking about the seven things that you can do, seven ways to become a more positive person. I think this is some pretty valuable information. This is something that a lot of Americans probably could really utilize in their lives. They don't, you don't get taught this stuff in government high school. Now, um, you know, maybe there's some teacher there that understands the power of positive thinking, but it's no curric- it, there's no curriculum for that. No, there certainly isn't. And I've got to say that it, it it is the single most important thing you can learn. If you have a positive attitude, you can achieve anything. After that, it's all something to build on. Absolutely. I'm with you. Let's recap real quick the first four things that we've gone over and then hit the remaining three. And, sure. of course, take your calls as well. Mind your feelings. That's, uh, you know, don't let, you know, don't have, don't harbor negative feelings. Take out the trash, meaning the don't hang around with uh, 
bad folks. Look for the best in every situation and uh, plan to do something nice and selfless every day. Even if you don't plan it, just keep your mind open for opportunities because they will pop up. Well, even if you do plan something, don't turn down some other opportunity to be philanthropic. I've only done it. I've done it once for today. That's it. Hey, I held a door. I don't have to help this guy with his tire. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Plaster on a smile. When all else fails, smile like you mean it, even if you don't. Human beings are naturally social creatures, and even if we're in the foulest of moods, by interacting with other people in a positive manner, we start the slow or even sudden climb to feeling more positive. Whenever I work out of the gym, I have zero interest in talking to other people. I am there to work out. I am very focused, and I would prefer not to be disturbed. However, when someone motions for me to help them with something, and I begrudgingly take off my headphones so I can hear what they're saying, something miraculous happens. I help them or answer their question, and then I feel better afterwards. Even if I just wrap my headphones back around my head and go back to working out in my undisturbed manner, I always feel better about having interacted with and assisted, assisting another person. Hmm. Number six, mainline the good stuff. I don't know what this could be. Hmm. I experience positive and uplifting circumstances through each day. It's just not possible to run around in a negative mood all the time if you consistently experience and appreciate things that you consider to be positive. Everyone appreciation has, is very important. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you should appreciate the the good things in life. Appreciate your loved one. You know, appreciate your family members that are actually decent people. Uh, appreciate some of the the uh, wonderful luxuries that you might have acquired for yourself. And you can appreciate some things that you don't like. You can ab absolutely change your mind about certain things. For instance, at one point um, in my life, I actually worked out on a regular basis. Um, now I'm lucky if I get to the gym at all anymore. Um, you know, I kind of go in spurts and make it back. But there used to be, I used to hate doing squats. I just hated them. Mm. They were so hard, so difficult. I didn't want to do them. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to relish the feeling that I get from doing squats. I'm going to um, relish how I feel afterwards. I'm just going to enjoy it. And it became, it, it, it came to the point where squats were my favorite exercise to do. I wow. looked forward to doing them. So I managed to my brainwash myself yeah. or whatever into enjoying this activity that I pretty much had to do. I felt that I had to do it. And it's all in your head. Yeah. It was, it's just how you decide to feel about some things. Okay. Everyone has their own definition of what's positive for them, but here is a brief list of things that you can experience frequently throughout each day. Affirmations. No, not affirmations that say, although these are, um, that, that you say, although these are great, but rather affirmations that you see. Pull uplifting messages up on your computer, wallpaper, or around your office. Set up your email program. Send your affirmations at certain times each day. Use your cell phone or PDA to send yourself positive messages and reminders of pre-selected intervals. I think this stuff is great. I'm all for hmm. those uh, you know, pictures which give motivational speak commitment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all that, all that stuff. <laughs> Determination. You know, those, those kind of things. Right. Um, I'm I'm for those. I got one that was uh, from a, um, a co-worker who I would kind of call a mentor at one point in my life. Uh, his name was Bill Weed, and he gave me one that said focus. Of course, he felt that I was out of focus, that I was all just all over the place. <laughs> but, you know, so he gave it in, in hopes that, uh, you know, it would get me more focused. And, and it does. It sits there on my desk. It's got the picture of a bald eagle on it. And I look at that thing. He spent, what, $7 on it tops. Yeah. And I have held that thing for five years and wow. I really enjoy it. I have another one that um, I used to have a positive uh, tear-off calendar, 365 positive sayings. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm, a big, I'm big for these positive saying things. And one of them came off on an important day, and it said, never trade what you want the most for what you want right now. 
And I put I bought a little frame for that particular one. Wow. And I framed that particular one because I had, you know, decided I was going to quit this job and move on to another job or something like that. And not this job, a free talk live, but a job and right. move on to another one. So I ended up staying at the, the particular job and very huh. happy I did. Right on. Okay. Audio content. Listen to empowering audio when you are driving on, um, or on your computer, or listen on portable music players when you're working out. And again, by constantly inputting positive inf- information, you won't just be possible to maintain a negative state of mind. It just won't be possible to na- maintain a negative state While of mind. While that is valuable, at the same time, I don't know if you should necessarily tune out all the things that uh, could be considered negative. As, as long point, as you have that positive viewpoint, as long as you have that positive uh, thinking process, you can take in that negative information, process it, and file it away. I had to come up with this decision. At, um, you know, at one point in my life, I did not watch the news. I went two or three years. I would never recommend watching the news. Without, Waste of time. Understood, but I didn't have the opportunity. Uh, you know, there were, you know, in the mid-90s, there wasn't yeah, okay. the internet to get that kind of content. Gotcha. So I had to look at something for that kind of information. I cut myself off from the outside world so that I could focus on making myself more positive. Mm. That's what I wanted. I wanted positive. Well, what did I end up um, with at the end? I didn't know anything about the out- outside world. I couldn't, uh, you know, make, water. I couldn't make any judgments um, on whether things were good or bad. I was just positive about them. So right. it's kind of a happy idiot. You have to, although, you know, happy idiot with a pretty good IQ. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, wasn't, I, I wasn't tuned in with my surroundings. And there's important things going on in the world from a political aspect that affect your life. You shouldn't tune those out. But... You try to be positive in your life at the same time. So yeah, take there's a certain them, balance. Take them uh, as, you know, just a, it's a story. It's something you need to be aware of. You don't need to let it get you down. I think there's a difference between uh, taking the information in and then those who internalize that information and make that, you know, somehow part of their mindset. Like, right. oh, the world is, the sky is falling. You know, we're accused of that sometimes on Free Talk Live. of talking about how the, we try to know, give the, solutions the every single falling. time. We try to give solutions, and I think that those who make those accusations may be a little bit more predetermined or, uh, or, or predisposed rather towards that negative sort of a mindset. Maybe they're the ones that are, they, you know, maybe they need to correct something in their head. Maybe it's not us. Maybe it's not our fault. We're just talking about issues and stories and ideas. Um, if it's bothering you, you need to look inside. Um, the last part of number six, look around. Everyone has things in their immediate surroundings at any given time that they can be grateful for. However, if you don't take the time to to consciously appreciate those things, you will get into a habit of just taking them for granted. Every few hours, just stop what you're doing, and for five minutes, look around wherever you are and appreciate the things that you normally take for granted. And I sort of did this in my life at one point. I decided I wasn't going to pick flowers. I wasn't going to send flowers to anybody um, or whatever. I was going to appreciate them on the trees and bushes and that kind of thing. So I'd go look at them a little more closely. Now, was that number six, or do we have that one That was more? number six. We have one more. All right, more on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. The single CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The wiki's there, over 1,400 pages. 
created by listeners just like you. It's totally free, user-editable, and uh, go visit it at wiki.freetalklive.com. Get interactive, wiki.freetalklive.com. We are talking about seven ways that you can become a more positive person. And if you feel like we've left something out, uh, I think it's been a pretty comprehensive list so far, but if you feel like we've left something out, dial on in and share us uh, with uh, share an example uh, with us with what you think uh, can help you live a more positive life and think uh, on a more positive basis, and that way you don't get mired in all the negativity that inevitably surrounds you in this world. 800-259-9231. We've already covered six out of the seven. If you've missed them, you can grab the archives later tonight at freetalklife.com. Let's hit number seven, Mark. Remember why you care. Last and hardly least, remind yourself several times a day, or several dozen, that you want to have a positive outlook on life, and remind yourself about why you even care. I remember I had a uh, a guy that I, I knew at work who would constantly talk about positive mental attitude, positive mental attitude, and um, it stuck in my mind. He would he would call it he um, made it short PMA, mm-hmm. and so if you just remembered PMA, and, and you know this guy talked about it so much, this is the the one guy that got me on to it, um, the the whole idea that a, a mental uh, that your attitude was extraordinarily important, and. So, you know, that PMA thing that he would talk about just stuck in my head. So whenever I would have crappy thinking, I'd remember... Right, and that's the important part here, is to make sort of a lifestyle change, or at least a mindset change. Something that's going to... You need to have some sort of triggering mechanism that's going to remind you, if you don't take all the steps that they're that they're advocating here, if you only take four out of the seven steps, mm-hmm. you're going to still be better off for sure. taking those steps. And um, so even if you don't have these positive messages surrounding you at all times, I don't do that personally. You do. Um, but it's important that... To, to keep that positive mindset as often as you possibly can, and in a, in a really easy, um, a really easy sort of trigger to remember that is when you start thinking negative thoughts. You should be able to recover yourself from that. You should be able to say, "Whoa." I'm thinking something negative. I don't need to be focusing in this direction. What a perfect opportunity to find something to be thankful for mm-hmm. or find something to appreciate. Um, and, and then you just shift your focus towards that. And that's, that's a great way to sort of keep on top of yourself and keep yourself on task as far as being a more positive person. Yep. You can use exercises like those mentioned above all day long. But if you don't have a true desire to actually have a positive attitude, then these types of activities won't do you much good. If you choose to live your life as a positive person, then you must have some reason for choosing that path. Each time a potentially negative influence crosses your path, remind yourself of your reason for wanting to be a positive person. Your desire to be positive will outweigh your desire to have a negative um, reaction to the outside stimulus. And after a while, this uh, entire process will become second nature. I don't know if this has any scientific basis. It's just what I've heard. They may have done a study. Uh, from what I understand it, a, a negative thought versus a positive thought. You might say to yourself, well, I find myself thinking negative thoughts so often. I just don't know if the positive thoughts are counteracting them enough. I, from what I understand, positive thoughts are far more powerful than uh, the negative thoughts are, which may explain one of the reasons why, uh, for instance, we had Brian call in from Colorado and tell us that in their brainstorming sessions at his business, if somebody came up with a what they considered a bad idea, the rule of the, the rule of the floor was that you had to come up with like three positive things to say about the idea before you hit him with the critique. Um, 
So I guess some could make the argument that the negative thoughts are more powerful, but I've heard otherwise. I've heard that you know reinforcing yourself with these positive uh, positive concepts is a really really powerful thing to do. You may not necessarily think so, but that shouldn't prevent you from doing it. That shouldn't prevent you. Uh, you should you shouldn't be having a battle with yourself. You need to have that sort of positive mentality as often as you possibly can. You know, and and what they say about having the reason for being positive. For me, it was always, I want to be successful. I mm. don't want to live in poverty. I don't want to live a mediocre life. I don't want to be ignored by people. I wanted to be a successful individual. I always wanted that. But I had a bad attitude and a, a real temper, rage, rage problem. Right. You'll never get there with that. No, you won't. Because, you know, you'll destroy whatever you make with, a, with your bad attitude and your temper. I suppose so. you could get put in a boxing ring and maybe win some money uh, with a bad attitude. But, but look what happened to Tyson. Right. I it mean, won't last. He bit somebody in the damn ring. Yeah. He was, you know, at one point the the you know the greatest fighter in the ring, and it now he's just a freak show. Yep. So it, it doesn't even even a boxer can't, There's nothing can't good. make it that There's way. There's nothing. Holyfield. Good. He was an excellent example of a good boxer with a great attitude, mm-hmm. um, who had a. You know, it was just nice to be around, and he got so much better press. Nothing good can come from going down those negative roads. Yeah, afraid not. Are we done? Yep, that's it, number seven. All right, if you've got any suggestions, anything additional, something we might have left out of the list, 800-259-9231. I thought that was a pretty valuable uh, Mm. thing that you brought in there, Mark, and I I appreciate that. I think at any time it can make make one be more positive. You know what, that's that's just it. I think there are a lot of people out there, we mentioned that they don't talk about this stuff in government schools. They don't talk about these really simple, tangible things that you can do to make your life better. This isn't a self-help show, but I do enjoy these sorts of self-helpy kind of topics. I don't think they're, they're BS. I don't think they're bunk. You, what you do in your head is very, very important. You know, the, your thought process makes you who you are. And you're not subject to, I mean, your personality isn't subject to not, uh, excuse me, it's not set in stone, okay? Mm-hmm. If you were raised in a family where there was abuse, where you were beaten, where there was just, you know, just an awful living situation, maybe where mom and dad fought all the time, just in a negative sort of an atmosphere, that doesn't mean that you have to continue to sort of propagate that negativity throughout your life. You aren't destined to be a negative person. You can change it, but it's up to you. I'm not saying it'll be easy. I'm not saying that for a moment, but it is simple. It's a simple process. And with the suggestions that you gave, in fact, Mark, I know that uh, you'll be posting those over on the Free Talk Live BBS. Already have. If you go to bbs.freetalklive.com, I hope you posted it in the issues forum, uh, then you should be able to find the list for yourself. And take that, you know, play it back. Take that list and put it up, uh, print it out, and read it a few times, and really internalize uh, what it's talking about. And then start to uh, start to utilize some of them. You don't have to do them all. Take four of them. Take three. And see how that makes you feel. See how See if it makes a difference. Do it for three weeks. And see if you feel any different afterwards. You might. Yeah, I, I think that it's extraordinarily valuable. It, you know, I did it at one point, changed my life, changed my outlook. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, when I was in the sales world, um, much heavier than I am now. Obviously, I'm still selling my product, Free Talk Live, but um, it's not quite the same. And I started learning this stuff. You know, I sort of thought it was sort of cheesy, right? It's sort of cheesy, and it, it kind of it, do- it certainly can be that way. You know what I've. Somehow or another, cool and morose have gotten collapsed and yeah. intertwined together in our society. Kids think it's 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 cool 
just to be you know morose and have a bad attitude at the, about things. Somehow they're worldly, stupid and angry, and wise, and you know, no, not necessarily. Right. I you know, I just, what's cool is uh, being able to set your own boundaries and uh, and make your own world for yourself and live life how you want to and not be bothered by all the negativity out there. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, it absolutely is. So that's how it came off to me because I I had that sort of worldview. I had that outlook, but I saw what could really be gleaned from these sorts of methods and I I internalized them as much as I could and I'm still I'm still working on it. It's not something you can just you can just do one week or do for a month no. and then put it down. You have to constantly be on top of yourself. You have to constantly check yourself, especially when you're having uh, negative thoughts. And you have to say, re, you know, hit, re, hit the reset button and go back towards the direction you want to go in. Well, it's probably the most difficult in the first month or so. After that, you get the after the first 21 days, you set yourself a habit, a pattern of doing something, and then, you know, then it builds on itself and it's a lot easier. True. Time for a personal story. I, um, at one point, had a uh, girlfriend that was probably the most beautiful girl that I ever dated in my life. And she had a, Until crappy, a crappy attitude. Oh, well, nobody compares to my wife. <laughs> um, uh, she had a crappy attitude. And, you know, I dumped her. Because I just, you know, no matter how beautiful she is, she, she just wasn't worth being around. More on the way. 800-259-9231. If you have a story of how you helped turn around your negativity, love to hear it. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free. That's freetalklive.com. You like the show? You want to help support Free Talk Live? Then go shopping with us at store.freetalklive.com. That is the store where you can get access to all kinds of exclusive Free Talk Live branded merchandise. Stuff isn't available anywhere else. It's Free Talk Live t-shirts, Free Talk Live hoodies. We've got hats. We've got even shirts and flags that don't even have our logo on them. They're just, they've got a cool logo called the Free Marketeer logo that uh, Johnson, our store manager, designed. And I think you're going to like that. As well as DVD Classic Archive Collector Sets. We've got a lighter bottle opener combo and so much more. It's all there at store.freetalklive.com. Great way to get some cool gear and help support the show all at the same time. Store.freetalklive.com. So um, we've sort of spent pretty much the entire hour on this uh, concept of shifting your thought process from negativity or the occasional negative negativity, because not everybody is negative all the time, but I think everybody encounters negativity, and uh, shifting away from that and making a, a conscious effort to be more positive. And there are a variety of ways that one can do that. We went over seven of them, and they've been posted at bbs.freetalklive.com. So you can uh, go over them again or listen to the show later on. But I just found it so valuable and, uh, and would still love to, uh, love to hear from anybody out there with a story about how they turned themselves around. Now, Mark, were you in prison when you started this process? Mm-hmm. I did. Uh, what was it that – I mean, was it, was it halfway through your time in prison or what? When was it that you made this choice, and what inspired you to do it? I was probably in for a couple few years, and um, you know, talk about a negative place. It, it absolutely is a negative place. Um, I, I didn't want to get into prison. You know, talking about that on a regular basis is just so awful for people. 
there was actually a guy there, Mr. V. I, I won't give his whole name, but um, he another prisoner or no? This guard? Th- this was um, you know I said I worked with a guy. He was actually a counselor for the drug treatment program, and he would come to my little store. I worked the canteen for the officers. I mm-hmm. served coffee to the officers. And um, he would come there, and he would just be, you know, Mr. Positive Mental Attitude. And I remember the other um, inmates would make fun of him. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure I participated in that same sort of, ah, yeah, Positive Mental Attitude. Sure, yeah, I can dork. do that. Right, that yeah. kind of thing. And he, I was exposed to the guy on a, such a regular basis. He wasn't a counselor for me or anything like mm-hmm. that. I just kind of, kind of saw him, you know, every now and then. So, you know, making fun of him was easy. I didn't know him. He was just some dork. Sure. But when I heard, you know, I'd talk to him every day, and he'd come up with this positive mental attitude stuff. And then, you know, at some point I'd talk to him about it. Hmm. And it was kind of his little religion. I, You know, I'm sure that he was a good religious guy. I don't know. But it was sort of his religion. And he would talk to me about the power of positive mental, um, positive thinking and that kind of thing. And he'd give me some of these little little phrases from, you know, Benjamin Franklin and, um, you know, the, the story of Abraham Lincoln, how he lost, like, every election and he failed in his uh, work and all kinds of other stuff and became the greatest president in our history. Mm. Now, I may not, may or may not believe that he was our greatest president, yeah. but great in the sense that he was... Um, he accomplished what he set out to do. He did, and he was he's great in the sense that his, history books will call him the greatest president ever. So he has, you know, the accolades of many, many Americans as the greatest president. So... You know, it just it began to sort of work on me. I, I saw the value in positive mental attitude, and then once the value, once I saw the value, I began to uh, be hungry for it and you want to get it more. Out. And and uh, so it sort of infected you a mm-hmm. bit. Then, for me, it was just a part of uh, being in a sales world mm-hmm. and just coming across that sort of information. Because in the world of sales, you know, the, your job is to move whatever product or service into the hands of the the person that, that hopefully wants to purchase it. Right. In a lot of ways, people are buying you. They want to deal with a salesperson they like. Well, and the trick is, of course, is is uh, getting past. The, in, in sales, I think the hardest thing for, for new people in sales is getting past the nose, right? Mm-hmm. That's the trick. Yeah, it's, it is very difficult. Because when you, you get that yes, wow, yeah, it feels good. Yeah, you it's, get it's, that check, oh, yeah. Like drugs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, man, the amount of nose you have to go through to get to that yes sometimes be pretty overwhelming. Case. And even if you get your first yes in an easy fashion, somebody hands it to you, It, um, you know, the nose are still tough. Oh, yeah. And you have to be able to deal with those in a, in a sales atmosphere. Uh, and so, you know, yeah, being, ha- having a positive attitude is, is valuable there. And so that's how I came across the information, and I'm so glad that I did. I am. And that's one of those uh, positive, reaffirming sort of uh, statements. I'm so glad that fill in mm. blank. Um, thank you for doing blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Um, so what I'm saying is that I was, you know, involved in the sales process and saying you, know, you get so many no's in sales. And remember, even if you don't think you're in sales, even if you aren't picking up the phone and making cold calls to people or going around worse, I think, knocking on doors, selling vacuum cleaners or something like that. I think that's an awful job. It's tough work. Uh, but even if you aren't actually in direct sales. You are selling yourself. You touched on that before. Uh, you, you give examples of maybe, for instance, authors, uh, J.K. Rowling or other authors in the past who might have submitted draft after draft, mm-hmm. uh, book after book, to the publishing companies out there, getting rejection letter after rejection letter. Now, she's selling her uh, her product. She probably necessarily didn't think of herself as a salesperson in that particular case, but she was being a salesperson nonetheless. And if, if she had... Just decided to throw in the towel, um, and because you know she didn't get a yes on her first no, pitch. No, no, she didn't. 
If she had just thrown in the towel after, you know, five no's and said, you know what, I'm just not cut out for this author thing. I'm just Anytime go you can hear an interview from an author, you will hear a story of somebody who's been resilient, has taken their nose, has continued, and been determined. Yep. And it's always inspiring. Now, you and were it paid of, off. You were sort of talking about uh, people, you know, and everybody's sort of in sales or, you know, everybody's You're sort selling of selling yourself. The yeah. fact, this is true. Just think for a second. Think about uh, the the five year old in the grocery store store line that has discovered that there's candy bars right there where they're checking out. Mm-hmm. Watch a salesman go to go into action. That kid will try to sell that candy bar <laughs> to, to their mom. mom. Look, it's red and got peanuts. <laughs> like they'll they'll go down the list. Only twenty five cents. <laughs> they will talk about the benefits of this candy bar to their mom as best they possibly can. Now sometimes it's going to work. Sometimes it's not. Mm. Um, obviously, there's emotional attachment between the mom and the kid. But everybody is selling something all day long. Whether you're selling a bad attitude to people, mm. oh, I'm tough, I'm I'm cool, I whatever, yeah. what, whatever Look it at is. My trucker you're hat. People say that oh, I kid couldn't do that sales thing. Well, absolutely, you're doing sales every day. My yeah. wife, you know, imagines herself as completely unable to do sales. But man, so when many she wants do. something. When she wants something, sales kicks in. Mm. She would, you know, I mean, you could, I could just com- completely tell in her attitude. Her eyes brighten. She's much more interested in the thing. If she's interested in it, she can. She will attempt to sell that baby to me. So everybody's selling something constantly. And to say that you, you're not cut out for sales, and I'm not saying that sales is the career for everyone. But it is the highest paying career. You, you are doing sales constantly. Uh, yes, you are. In fact, uh, talk about here's another area where sales is important: um, selling yourself to a potential mate. Mm. That's another one. Or um, job interviews too. Uh, job interviews are also a good one. You know, any place where you can get a no from somebody, then you're doing sales. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you know, you need to. I mean, you, we're selling. We're selling liberty too. That's true. Think about that. You know, we talk about liberty-oriented things. We haven't really been so much on this particular hour of the show, but no, not uh, we normally talk about liberty-oriented solutions to society's problems. And uh, if you can be per- more persuasive on the liberty front, then that's a good thing. Then more people are going to want to hear what you have to say and uh, and that sort of thing. Well, to that end, um, being uh, combative and, and uh, you know, having a bad attitude about how, you know, you're taking my rights away and that kind of thing, doing, doing things like we do on the show, we, you know, the the way we sell liberty on the show is different than somebody somebody would need to sell. Yes, we're from, bombastic and iconoclastic, and from uh, one person to another, you're not going to create any friends uh, repeating and doing the things exactly the way we do them on the on the show. So therefore, if you're not creating right. any friends, nobody's going to want the liberty crap you're selling. You have to sell it from the the point of view that you know what are the benefits for that person. You know, how absolutely, can- and that's why Harry Brown was so brilliant uh, when he was running for, for for office as the presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party in 1996 and 2000. He totally got that. Mm-hmm. He understood that people don't really care about politics, and they shouldn't because it's yucky. <laughs> people don't care about it. What he understood was that people care about how they can make their lives better. And if he could show them or ask them to think about, for instance, you know, if we could get rid of the income tax, what would you do with the extra $10,000 a year that you might take home? Yeah. Can you and imagine you get people, people thinking, right. thinking about that? You get people's gears turning thinking, yeah, $10,000, let's see, that would be several mortgage payments. Uh, that would be a good uh, chunk of a new car. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that would be uh, a college education for my kids or at least a semester in college for, for one of my kids, that sort of thing. You know, get people thinking about how their lives could be better if the government was off of their backs. 
So that's one other area. I mean, this is this is so valuable. The the concept of of understanding sales and understanding persuasion. If you don't think you're a salesperson, you're dead wrong. You're selling yourself. You're selling your ideas. Uh, you're selling your friendship. You're selling so much in life. It's not a negative thing. No. A lot of people have this negative association with sales. Not at all. Because some people will lie to, to sell things. 800-259-9231. Hour number three is on the way. The North American Union. I've got some interesting news about it. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves as we launch into hour number three of the program. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The feature's on the site for free, so enjoy them on us. That's freetalklive.com. Starting out with the phone calls, let's go to Paula in Florida. Paula, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hello, Paula in Florida going once, Paula in Florida going twice. I guess she's gone. 800-259-9231. Now, Paula actually wanted to talk about a story that I, uh, well, not necessarily the same story, but this this concept of the North American Union that so many Americans are quite quite frightened of. Mm-hmm. And if indeed it is true, it is frightening. they have reason to be frightened. Now, I'm actually, I was just pointed to, via my email box, to an article that rebuts the so-called NAFTA superhighway concept, mm-hmm. and I haven't had a chance yet to really dig into it. Uh, but essentially, it's like a five-page-long article that uh, purports to rebut with real facts uh, these claims about this fabled four-football-fields-wide highway they're supposed to be building from Mexico to Canada straight through the United States. Um, so they're claiming that's bunk. Um, maybe I'll try to take some excerpts or something from that. But I still don't know if there's... I don't think that the fact that the NAFTA superhighway thing is necessarily, I mean, if that comes out to be false, as they're claiming, I don't think that necessarily negates the concept of this North American Union. A lot of people have been have been frightened about this idea, and we had somebody call in over the weekend saying that President Bush had recently met with both the uh, the Prime Minister of Canada and the Mexican President, and we sort of took that in stride and took his word for it, and I actually have the story here as posted by the Associated Press. Ottawa, President Bush tending to relations with two border nations will try to give a boost Monday to his partnerships with the like-minded leaders of Canada and Mexico. Bush's two-day summit with Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper and Mexican President Felipe Calderon is the third of its kind during his presidency. Each one has been meant to bolster an is evolving... Calderon? Is it Felipe Cal- Calderon? I don't know. Uh, has been meant to bolster an evolving compact dubbed the Security and Prosperity Partnership of North America that serves as a way for the nations to team up on health, security, and commerce. Now, this security and prosperity partnership is a real thing. Uh, if you go to spp.gov, you can that's their, the government's own website talking about this. And of course, those who point out are those who are the advocates that there is indeed a plan afoot for this North American Union concept will point you to spp.gov as evidence that it does exist. And as far as I'm concerned, I think they're onto something. I think that, uh, you know, the the government's denying it, but that doesn't mean anything. Just because right. the government says something doesn't mean you should believe them. Um, I don't know what to think on it either. 
I don't know, uh, you know, how far along they are. I don't know how they're planning on implementing it. People are talking about an alternative currency uh, to replace the dollar, a new official currency called the Amero, which would sort of be like the euro, basically. You know, I've thought myself that that would be a um, an idea that the government might come up with. You know, a new dollar kind of idea, the new buck. The current dollar's failing, so it would be well, something exciting for people. Right? Failing may not be the right word. It's certainly continuing, continuing its spiral. It's worth, Downward, yeah, yeah, worth uh, you know three percent what it was and when it was introduced in 1913. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the stated uh, policy of the Federal Reserve is to uh, you know continue inflation. Inflation is essentially stealing from the American people every time they print up a dollar. Um, they are devaluing the dollar that you have in your pocket by, right. you know, increasing supply, supply demand, um, and you know, therefore the value goes down. So, you know, I don't know if the dollar is devaluing exactly, but wouldn't it be convenient and um, for them if they just you know, made an exchange rate of one Amero for ten dollars? They could do that, and um, it'd be it'd be an interesting little game of uh, what's the thing where they put the the little shell shell game shell game over top of the or whatever. A three-card Monty is yeah. another one similar. Uh, Bush's two-day summit with the Canadian Prime Minister and the Mexican President. Again, they're talking about the Security and Prosperity Partnership, which serves as a way for the nations to team up on health, security, and commerce. Yet for Bush, the event also allows him to show he doesn't take his neighbors for granted. They're both vital trading partners and energy providers for the United States. Scholar for American Studies or North American Studies says the message for Canada and Mexico is that despite the ongoing emphasis in Iraq and terrorism, the U.S. is investing time and attention on relationships with our own region. This is basically like a puff piece uh, for the president and these guys. You'll get to, I'll get to one of the most unbelievable uh, claims that has ever been made in an Associate Press article here in a moment. As the summit approached, Calderon was considering cutting his trip short to Mexico, where Hurricane Dean was posed to slam into the coastline. Uh, blah, blah, blah. The partnership of the countries is a framework for working out problems, not a deal that was ever intended to, pro- uh, to produce dramatic announcements, and none are expected at the summit. So that's sort of the, their way, and I'm, I'm guessing this has come from some sort of government press release, a lot of this information, because mm-hmm. a lot of news reporting these days is basically the news agencies taking a government press release, changing a few words, and putting their headline on it. Uh, because the government is very clearly trying to minimize the rumors of this North American Union by saying, well, these aren't intended, this isn't intended to be a big announcement or anything. We're just trying to, you know, team up on health, security, and commerce. It's a good thing. Uh, don't worry. Shh, nothing to see here. And why, what do you mean health, team up? Health, security, and commerce. I mean, I thought, yeah. I thought Na- that's what NAFTA was. I thought we were already pretty well teamed up on health, security, and commerce. Right. And how is it that uh, teaming up with Mexico and Canada, whatever that means, is going to improve uh, Americans' health care? It's already bad enough with the, the current level of government involvement we have. You're talking about having some sort of transnational uh, agency start regulating things? We will enterprise off of all the um, health care uh, experiments that are going on in Mexico. And then it gets to this line, which either was written by an Associated Press writer, Ben Feller, the guy who wrote this, who is a total socialist trying to uh, trying to abuse the term free market, or written by the government's press release people trying to associate the term free market with President Bush. Get right. this. Quote, personally, Bush shares plenty of views with Harper and Calderon, two fellow conservatives and free market advocates who've come to power during his second term. 
Right. Do you think that's possible? Maybe we just haven't really read oh. much about this Calderon and Harper, these guys. They're for free markets. That's yeah. great. They've managed to become president and prime minister, and they're for free markets. You should be seeing Canada and Mexico go free market here within a matter of weeks. Right, of course. Now, you know, I mean, can you can you imagine a more absurd statement? No, it's the idea that any of these politicians, these power mongering, fear mongering politicians, have any sort of affinity or even understanding uh, for what the free market is. You know, um, absurd. The one the one thing we've said about on this show so many times about free markets is free markets aren't NAFTA. No, even though it says free trade in it, they're not talking about NAFTA. Free markets. Do not require reams and reams and stacks and stacks of papers in order to implement. Free markets are allowing people to interact across borders without government interference. Look, if that government over there, let's call it Mexico, I, you know, I, you know, government M decides that they don't want to allow free trade into their country, fine. That doesn't have anything to do with free trade coming out of the United States, because if government M isn't working for you, then you can just go and do business with government J, and therefore government J, the people of um, that are working under government J, the, the, the people that are in country J, will benefit because they will be able to do business with the United States. And the United States people will, be bene- will benefit because, well, they can do business in... Country J, rather than uh, you know our government having sanctions on this government and mm. most favored trading trading status with that government, right. that's a bunch of garbage. Our government should not be telling our people, free people, how they can interact with other people of the world. Correct. Sorry, they should not be prohibiting you from interacting, and they should not be forcing you from interacting. No, and they shouldn't. Um, they shouldn't be helping you to interact with one government and or uh, forestalling you, yeah, or forestalling you for dealing with another. Just all kinds of things that are done. Bush apparently recently issued an executive order meant to tighten border uh, border security, streamline guest worker programs, and pressure employers to fire illegal immigrant workers. The U.S. government has been working on a major aid package to help Caldera and fight drug trafficking in Mexico. The deal may be announced in part or in whole during the summit. So it seems to me like somebody's trying to whitewash the concept of the North American Union. They're trying to play off these rumors. But at the same time, you have not just the conspiracy theory crowd, which is, you know, all over this, white on rice, but you also have more legitimate voices. Uh, I've heard, I think it was CNBC. I think uh, some of the guys over there were talking about the Amero. The Ron Paul, obviously, is pretty Johnny on the spot on this whole a North American Union concept. So, how legitimate is it? I think they're working on something. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number, 800-259-9231. The Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site for free, including updates. Get signed up, and we'll keep you in the loop, clue you in whenever there's something you need to know about the show. Get on the list at updates.freetalklive.com. That is updates.freetalklive.com. SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows that the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful. They record every call. They have the best equipment money can buy so that your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. 
1-800-259-9231. Let's go to the phones to the fun and talk to Paula in Florida. We're trying her one more time. Paula, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, hi, hon. Hey, what's there up, was hon? more to what they said than what you said. I mean, you know, you were right about all of it, except they did say that some people were talking and trying to scare people. And I think he's talking about you-know-who. <laughs> I'm not I sure if I know who. <laughs> who are you talking about? But Fox News asked about the quarter, the North American <laughs> Union, and, stuff, and they denied it. Well, I'm looking at an article here, uh, Paula, that says that there is no such thing as the NAFTA superhighway. The North America Super Corridor Organization, which is a trinational coalition of businesses and state and local transportation agencies that, in its own words, focuses on maximizing the efficiency of their existing transportation infrastructure to support international trade. Uh, These are the guys that apparently put a few years ago on its homepage a map of the United States that more or less uh, is essentially this proposed NAFTA superhighway. Drawn in bright uh, bright blue, the trade route begins in Monterey, Mexico, runs up I-35, branches out after Kansas City along I-29 toward Winnipeg and I-94 toward Detroit and Toronto. A colorful cartoon-like image seemed to show right out in the open just where NASCO and its Confederates planned to build the NAFTA superhighway and began zipping around the Internet. Shortly thereafter, the organization was besieged with angry phone calls and letters, and they uh, had posted a frequently asked questions on their website which claims that uh, there is no proposed NAFTA superhighway. Uh, Is is the map on the website an approved plan for the proposed NAFTA superhighway, saying there is no proposed NAFTA superhighway, it's not a plan or a blueprint of any kind? The maps, uh, what they're showing on the maps are existing highways. So, again, I think there's been a lot of misinformation going on out there. Uh, People are claiming that they've begun construction on this, the conspiracy crowd, and it's just, I mean, who do you believe in this case? Well, they had a picture in the newspaper here of the part of the quarter coming down out of Jacksonville, down through St. John's County, and on coming down this way. Well, I thought that highway, this, uh, uh, this highway was supposed to go from Texas to Jacksonville, Texas. Yeah, but these are going to be all over the country, not just there. Okay. Well, I mean, the, the claims that the conspiracy crowd makes, Paula, are completely unbelievable. Four football fields wide? That's yeah, huge. That's heard, yeah. yeah, that's huge. It's absurd. And I, mean, I know uh, it is. Right. So I think there's a lot of misinformation flowing around out there. Now, the the concept of the North American Union, I think, holds a little bit more water. But it seems that even old Ron Paul has fallen into the, you know, the trap on this uh, this NAFTA superhighway. Now, whether he's already under construction, Texas. Well, how do you know it's just not a regular highway that they're making, Paula? Well, is it four football fields wide? They've been taking people's property that they didn't need to have if it wasn't going to be that big. Well, I don't know. I, I haven't seen any stories of yeah. uh, imminent domain abuse out of there. I keep my eye wide open for imminent domain abuse. Right. Abuse, as far as I'm concerned, it's you know it's a terrible use of the government. It seems like all we get are callers like you, Paula, making claims and never actually anything tangible. Well, I'm just saying it's in our it's been in our newspaper hmm. about what they're going to do here. Well, that doesn't necessarily. I mean, what newspaper are you referring to? The religious oh, paper that you got. Somebody needs to get the truth out. Which paper is it, Paula? It was a Florida Times Union. Hmm. And what is that? It's the, news, the biggest newspaper here in Florida. The Florida I Times used Union to live in, in, in Florida. Is that yeah, true? Yeah, yeah, Times Union. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the call, Paula. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. But even so, it's still hearsay uh, because Paula's telling us that. And I don't know. This 
Do your research on this NAFTA superhighway yeah. thing. There's a lot to see out here. There's a lot of conflicting opinions. And I, I'm looking at the story. It's from thenation.com. They are basically uh, I mean, they're looking at the, the whole concept of the North American Union and this, the superhighway. I don't deny the possibility that there could indeed be something afoot for this North American Union concept. That wouldn't require – in order to have a North American Union, you don't have to have a – a highway that's four football fields wide or mm-hmm. whatever other uh, absurd characteristics this highway is supposed to have. In order to do that, all you have to do is have political agreements between political uh, people, politicians, and that's something they could very easily do. How they'll implement it still remains to be seen. How far along are they? We have no idea. It's There's a lot of uh, hypothesis out there. There's a lot of supposition and not a lot in the way of facts. Yeah. We know they're meeting. We know they're talking. We know the government has this security prosperity partnership organization they've created very quietly to very little fanfare. So is there something going on? Probably. What's going on? Hard to say. Nobody really knows. Once again, we're in a situation where there are two sides that uh, you know disagree with one another, the government and the conspiracy crowd. It's probably the case that the conspiracy crowd has stumbled onto some useful information, but as they usually do, filled in the gaps with total fabrication filled in the gaps with their conspiracy theories. And so that's why it's so difficult to get legitimate information, because the government's going to deny, 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 while at the same time the conspiracy crowd's going to say, yes, this is what's happening, this is you know the spoken word, this is absolute abject truth because we said so, and we've seen some news articles that might suggest uh, similar thoughts. And so you really have to do your due diligence and not trust any of these people. <laughs> you really, I mean, who do you trust? You sure can't trust the government. And the conspiracy crowd is certainly wrong more often than they are right. So who do you trust? You just have to do your own research, I guess. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Dave in Montana, listening on KGEZ. Hello, Dave. Greetings, my North American comrade. What's on your mind, Dave? <laughs> hey, uh, it's a good time to practice your uh, seven little don't-be-negative steps now. Mm. It's uh, always a good time. Yeah, right, because... The fishermen say that when the sea gets rough, the fish move with the sea. We we can't do nothing. What they're gonna if they we're up to globalism up to our neck right now. That's the 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 whole scam with the North American Union European Union right now. They're trying to start the Middle East Union. They got the Asian Union already. They got an African Union. Already. Do they have that already? I've heard. Oh, yeah. that. Yeah. Is what, that true, what, Mark? Have you heard I, anything? I've about heard this? something about a Pan Asian Union. Yeah, they they got it all happening. It's we're we're swimming in it, man. And know who's funding it all? The Bilbergers. Every time we pump gas in the car, Rockefellers. It's all petrodollars, you know. And and we're really swimming in the sea of our own uh, doings, you know. And and it's because of laziness, because of a lack of freedom and our dependency upon one. Natural resource, oil, you know. Petrol. I think you're right. If this comes to pass, it will because of the it will be because of the ignorance, the mass ignorance they're, of the American they're people. They're planning for us to be on oil for the next thousand years, man. That's why they got to secure the Iran oil, the Iraq oil, all this oil up on the Arctic and everything. That why Russia's planting flags and stuff, doing old-fashioned. Dave, thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it, as always. And he's on to at least something with that call, and that is the ignorance of the American people. Uh, When they, if they do bring this North American Union concept about, 
then the Americans are going to be excited because it's something new. And, uh, oh, cool, we can be like the European Union now. And we can now. toss that Bill of Rights out right out the window. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up what you want. The toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Inviting you online to our website, freetalklive.com. The bulletin board system is there. The live streams. We've got a broadband version and a dial-up version, both waiting for you for free at freetalklive.com. As the dollar continues to drop, precious metals rise. Make the trend your friend by subscribing to the International Speculator. Go to d2z.org and add the right precious metal mining stocks to your portfolio. That's d2z.org. As the rumor-mongering continues on the NAFSA, so-called NAFTA superhighway, uh, one organization, The Nation magazine, has weighed in with what appears to be a fairly well-researched five-page article appearing at their website right now. And uh, they've gone through several of the things that we've heard mentioned by callers to this show. For instance, uh, <clears throat> the obviously we've already talked about the SPP, the Security and Prosperity Partnership, which to me is pretty disturbing. Um, even if this isn't indeed the North American Union being created, what they are saying here, I mean, even the claims of the people who are involved in the Security and Prosperity Partnership, they're saying that, what they're doing is that they're trying to figure out how to better synchronize customs enforcement, security protocols, and regulatory frameworks among the countries. And then they give this example. Quote, simple stuff like, for instance, in the United States, we sell baby food in several different sizes. In Canada, it's just two different sizes. Look, we don't need the government micromanaging trade in this way. We don't need the government saying that we're selling too many sizes of baby food. We don't need some federal uh, federal bureaucracy called the SPP making determinations on what sizes of baby food containers you can import. That's what sort of micromanaging this SPP group is going to do. So whether or not it is indeed a North American Union being formed or the, you know, the uh, the gestation, if you will, of the North American Union, doesn't really matter. It still should be opposed because it's more regulation of trade, more micromanagement of business. I, I don't understand why the market can't operate just like it has. You know, it, it, it does just fine. What will consumers think, Mark, if they come down from Canada and find different sized baby food on the shelf here? They'll be so confused. They'll they'll think it's a great option that you have. The same thing that people think when they go into Walmart and see a wall of different types of shampoo that one can buy. I love that. It's, so it's great. great. Anyway, so that's one example. Then you've got uh, the the Kansas City Smart Port, right? Which people are saying that all oh, this national superhighway, there's going to be a Kansas. It's going to go through Kansas City, and uh, th- th- there's going to be Mexican nationals there. It says here that. The Kansas City Southern Railroad Company is already betting on the eventuality that uh, cargo, more cargo is going to be heading their direction because of various different business uh, efforts. And they apparently are spending millions of dollars to purchase the rail routes that run from the port in Mexico up to Kansas City. 
At the same time, the business improvement group called the Kansas City Smart Port, whose members include uh, the local Chamber of Commerce, is pushing for Kansas City, which is already a transportation hub, to transform itself fully into a smart port, a kind of intermodal transportation and cargo center. The group recently advocated a pilot program that would place a Mexican customs official in Kansas City to inspect Mexico-bound freight, relieving bottlenecks at the border. The notion of a Mexican customs official on American soil fired the imaginations of those already disposed to see a North American union on the horizon, and smart port staff had been fending off angry inquiries ever since. So again, it does sound as though the conspiracy crowd has gotten their hands on some legitimate information. As and, Well, you know, that, that's how a uh, credible conspiracy gets put together. Right, and, you know, strung it all together with uh, a little bit of supposition. So, I don't know, is it a bad thing that there would be a Mexican customs official in Kansas City? Some could argue that, yes, that could be a bad thing. But at the same time, uh, the, apparently what's going on is there's a, a port in Mexico, which has also been mentioned on uh, by some of our callers. Oh, no, all the trade's going to go down to Mexico, and that's going to make it so Chinese products can get here more, or whatever their scare tactics are. And, uh, you know, the fact about that port is that it can handle... Apparently, far more. It's just a bigger port. It's deeper. It can handle like these super ships from China that are the most efficient way to transport products across uh, across the ocean. And so, it sounds like it'd be a great thing for the economy for products to start coming in at this, you know, Mexican super port, basically, because it it'll just be more affordable. Products will the price of products will come down. And so, what they're talking about here is building rail lines to move these products across the border instead of having to have semis backed up at uh, the border crossing points. I'll tell you, trains are um, much they're much better as far as uh, use of fuel. Um, they're much more fuel efficient than uh, semis are. They, one train, think one locomotive can pull all those cars behind it, especially once it gets going. You know, one semi pulls one, it, it, not even as big as a train car. So, you know, I, what concerns me is that the American public is kind of lulled into a false sense of security in the same way these toys came um, came over with the uh, lead and the paint. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't heard one story of one child being hurt by this lead and this paint. Right. Now, I'm sh- it may- maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. Maybe they swallowed a matchbox car, at which, po- uh, which point, you know, a certain level of lead was in the paint and... I don't know. Maybe they'll only live to be 85. Yeah, you've got more problems. If, you've got more problems than the lead if you've swallowed a matchbox car. <laughs> Understood. Um, you know, but the American public is it kind of believes that uh, all their products should be checked and vetted beforehand. That they don't have any responsibility in what they purchase. They shouldn't have had to look it up. They, you know, they they don't have any responsibility. So it's my concern if you bring in products from China that perhaps if they come into Mexico that maybe they haven't been as checked as well as they're supposed to have been. Not to say that our federal government checks them, but uh, no, they don't. They just look at packages. But they sometimes have mandates on how things are to be checked by the companies that sell them. Now, I I think in this case that uh, it was um, is it Kenner that sold the, uh, the Mattel. Mattel. Mattel um, that sold the the bad toys mm-hmm. in some of them, and I think they've handled it admirably. But Which, by the way, I think an interesting point is on this whole uh, lead paint controversy is that Mattel sort of took the, the route that many Americans do when it comes to like the FDA and that sort of thing, this sort of um, safety theater that we have in this country. Mm-hmm. They took the word of the Chinese government that these products have been certified. 
it wasn't Underwriters Laboratories or any private organization that certified these products. It was the it's, the, it's the Chinese government that is essentially asserting itself as the quality control regulatory agency. Hmm. And so Mattel said, well, you know, they think these products have passed Chinese uh, regulatory muster, and therefore they must be safe to sell. Mm, not so much, which, you know, goes back to the Chinese government. They uh, proved that they were doing something about this by executing the guy who was in charge of that department. They didn't execute him. He killed himself. Oh, really? I thought they executed him no oh my apologies on that anyway so you're dealing with uh, an interesting situation which still has some uh with this with this whole uh, north american union uh, nafta superhighway claim you're dealing with an interesting situation which still has some kind of ominous overtones you know the idea that there would be mexican government people operating inside the united states i can understand how that would get people pretty upset uh, but at the same time, if indeed that could actually help products move across borders faster, is that such a bad thing? If you want to comment, 800-259-9231. Then the story goes on to point out that um, if you add up all of the ingredients we've talked about, this superhighway concept, the SPP, the port down in Mexico, the superport, the Kansas City smart port, and the planned pilot program allowing Mexican truckers to drive on U.S. roads – and you still don't have a superhighway four football fields wide connecting the entire continent, which is why understanding the persistence of the NAFTA highway legend requires spending some time in Texas, where Governor Rick Perry and his longtime uh, Texas Department of Transportation Commissioner Rick Williamson are proposing the $185 billion Trans-Texas Corridor, a 4,000 miles of highway, rail, and freight corridors, the first of which would run up from the border through the heavily populated eastern part of the state. Plans for the TTC do indeed call for it, I, I'm shocked by this, to be up to four football fields wide at points, paving over as much as a half a million acres of Texas countryside. The first section will be built and operated by a foreign enterprise, and when completed, it would likely be the largest privatized toll road in the country. Unlike the NAFTA superhighway concept, the Trans-Texas Corridor is very, very real. You know, I, I don't know. It, uh, it, it seemed, I like the idea of roads. I want roads. I don't want people's property taken uh, by, by an eminent domain. So I, I understand how difficult that can be sometimes in building one's road. But, uh, you know, roads are good. 1-800-259-9231. I like roads when they're built by private people, not when government gets involved. More coming up. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, but just enough time for your call if you make it now at 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go shopping at amazon.freetalklive.com. When you enter through that link, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. It's really easy to do. 41 categories to shop in. Pretty much everything you might want to buy in life is there. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the, well, let's not go to the phones. Tom dropped off. Uh, 1-800-259-9231. Talking about this uh, North American superhighway thing, that uh, the NAFTA superhighway they're talking about, and a lot of uh, the conspiracy crowd has been talking about. And it sounds like there are apparently some, some bits of truth here, um, according to thenation.com, which, again, you know, that's just another source. Uh, the, the guy who wrote this article is five pages long. It seems like he's... He's done quite a bit of research and talked to quite a few people, talked to people in the conspiracy crowd, talked to people in the government. 
And we were talking about this uh, Trans-Texas Corridor that has been proposed. And you had just gotten, I guess, a message from somebody asking, well, what's the difference between the Trans-Texas Corridor and the NAFTA Superhighway? Mm -hmm. I don't know. But there's no plan, at least, for the NAFTA Superhighway that anybody's aware of. Um, but there is a plan for the Trans-Texas Corridor, and it's being met with tremendous opposition. According to the article, there is a, a huge grassroots movement in Texas against this Trans-Texas Corridor. The governor, um, since he was behind it, ran for re-election, managed to win with a 39% vote. It was a three-way race, uh, but he took a lot of real sort of political damage over this particular issue. And so the people of Texas aren't going to let this one pass uh, too quietly. Again, I'm not really sure what the big problem is with a road. With a giant in, road. In the first place. Uh, obviously, we oppose, uh, I, at least I do, I oppose you know, the government being involved in roads in the first place. I think that private people should uh, create roads uh, for to get people from point A to point B. Uh, but that's not what we have today. It's not the system we're working with. And so governments are going to make roads. And that's going to happen whether it's a trans-Texas corridor or, or brand-new interstates or, or whatever, uh, p- products and services and people need to get from point A to point B, and as the population continues to grow, inevitably we're going to need more lanes and we're going to need more roads. So I'm not sure what's so bad about the idea of roads being built in the first place. We already have interstates that connect you from Mexico to Canada in the first place, so what's, I mean, what's in a couple more, right? Anyway, one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. And so I, I don't know. There's... Right. I guess the scariest part of the the NAFTA superhighway, if there is going to be such a thing, would be that uh, truck drivers from Mexico could come in without being inspected by customs agents and uh, just you know head straight to Canada. Not that I mean Canada has that tenth of the population we do. I don't mm-hmm. know why trucks from Mexico would want to go there rather than here. I mean nine trucks out of ten should be coming here, or I guess ten trucks out of eleven should be coming here and. Uh, one should be going to uh, Canada as far as that goes. I don't know. It seems it all seems very strange, and I'm not sure what is so terrible about it all. To thousands of average citizens, the, the, the way the article wraps up is, to thousands of average citizens in Texas and elsewhere, it's madness or worse, treason. Both the actual Trans-Texas Corridor, uh, corridor and the mythical NAFTA superhighway represent a certain kind of future for America, one in which the crony capitalism of oil-rich Texas expands to fill every last crevice of the public sector's role, eclipsing the relevance of a national government as both the provider of public goods and the unified embodiment of a sovereign people. Sounds like gobbledygook you'd expect to hear from the nation. Mm -hmm. For Williamson, this is a government bureaucrat, uh, it's progress. For Hall, it's an outrage and a tragedy. Hall's one of the activists that's against the Trans-Texas Corridor. Quote, we have so little control over our own government, she told me, Uh, the alienation audible in her voice, thunder punishing the air from outside. We're really the last beacon of freedom in the world, the land of the free in the home of the brave, and we're letting it slip away from under our noses. Now, while I agree with that statement, while I, I agree and am concerned with the loss of freedom and liberty in America, I don't think a big road is really necessarily the issue to get behind. I'm, I'm not sure that's the nail in the coffin there. Yeah. But they are, and they're very concerned about it. But it's interesting, like all the, uh, the divisions... I'd say it's something to keep an eye on. Absolutely. But but it's interesting, the divisions that this is causing, right? I mean, you've got the government of Texas 
that's looking into building this Trans-Texas Corridor in some way with some sort of private corporation, therefore making it uh, some sort of private toll road. I'm not exactly sure what all the mechanics are going to be there, uh, which, of course, is going to galvanize the liberals, like the people at the nation, against that particular side of the concept. They may not necessarily be against roads, but they're probably against you know these uh, private, privatized roads. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to be against that. And then uh, the idea of this North American Union being tied in with the Trans-Texas Corridor is really freaking out the conservative types, who they're also going to be against. It's ma- Politics makes for strange bedfellows, doesn't it? That it does. <laughs> so, again, it seems like much ado about nothing to me. The go- Texas government's going to go and do what they're going to do. They're going to take people's land, and that should be opposed. If they come and start uh, start using eminent domain, uh, then I absolutely support the efforts of any activists who want to stand in their way for that. Please, stand up in front of the bulldozers and refuse to allow these bureaucrats to take your private property. Please. Um, I'm totally behind you on that. But at the same time, if these people want to sell their land, if they don't really care that much, if these landowners, you know, it's just pasture that we're talking about and not actually people's homes and the landowners don't really care, they'll take the government's bribe and sell out their uh, their properties. Well, this goes on across the country. This is, as much as I might disagree with it, it's constitutionally authorized if it's being used for government purposes, right? But then again, this is supposedly a... It's for the public use as opposed to the public right. good. But then again, if this is indeed a privately maintained road of some sort, but it's also, I mean, where do you draw the line? Is a privately maintained road or some sort of a privatized road with government funding or, you know, the government uh, taking care of the, and it's like, almost like a stadium, right? The government builds the stadium and then private people get to use it. Is that what they're going to do And own here? it and sell the, uh, you know, the rent to it and that kind of thing. Right. Is that how this situation is going to be handled? I don't, I don't know. I would oppose that as well. I mean, there's a lot to, sure to would. Dis- there is a lot to dislike about this situation. But is it inevitable? Will it come about anyway, whether or not we like it or not? And will it drastically change America, having another road being built? I can't see that being the case. I mean, America's already been... Uh, the, the liberties and freedoms have been infringed upon time and time again by this government in the form of eminent domain, in the form of taxation, in the form of uh, unending war around the world and us having to pay for it. I mean, there's all kinds of examples of the government's increasing tyranny over our lives. Is a road really the, you know, the galvanizing issue that everybody needs to be that concerned about? I mean, how about the trillion of, you know, the trillion dollars being spent in Iraq? How about that? How about the thousands of Americans? We're not up to a trillion yet in Iraq, but we're getting there. Getting there, getting there. It'll, it but, will be with the with all the uh, people having, you know, dealing with the depleted uranium, all yeah. the army people dealing Down with Down the line, everyone yeah. will be paying through the nose for this. How about, you know, those sorts of issues? How about real, I mean, I, while I am concerned about some of the sub-issues of this road, I just don't know if it's as much as they're making it out to be. And I just don't know if, uh, you know, the road is really what the issue is. It seems to me like the issue should be we need to be keeping an eye on this concept of the North American Union. That's the scary part. I don't care how truckers, you know, professional drivers get their load from one point to another. I want fresh apples on my, you know, I want to be able to put food in my mouth and pay as low as a price I possibly can pay for it. And if another road's going to help me do that, well, okay. That's fine. But, the, you know, the idea about this, uh, 
it's the old North American Union. That's the one that gets me going a little bit. That's the one that gets my hackles up. You know, the concept of Canada and Mexico and the United States joining together their governments to form some sort of overarching, uh, larger, more centralized government, which they're talking about it as though it's no big deal. Oh, we're just gonna we're just gonna make it so that we have the same size baby food bottles in each country. Eee, that sounds kind of frightening. The part of it about it that I just don't get is you're not talking about the European Union where 20 countries get together to increase their trading power. You're talking about three. Why is that? Why is that different? Or why is that significantly different in your mind? Because um, the United States doesn't need to increase its trading power. It is the big boy on the planet. Okay. Um, why do we need Mexico and Canada as trading partners? Can't we set up, you know, NAFTA essentially, uh, you know, brought down the uh, tariffs and that kind of thing for these two countries already, which are our biggest trading partners? Why do we need? A North American Union. I I just don't see the Washington politicians. Yeah, what's their motivation? Their power in order to make a larger government. I do see that you know maybe the Constitution has slightly hindered politicians in the past, but at this point they don't even give a damn about the United States Constitution. Why would our the United States um, politicians? Well, maybe it would make it official. You know, maybe if they do this new American Union Constitution, it would uh, be similar to the EU Constitution or the Iraq Constitution with all sorts of guarantees of free health care for all and all this other government garbage that we don't need. If Clinton gets in an 08, we're going to have guaranteed health care anyway. I don't know. Maybe it would somehow legitimize the whole process of tyranny. I don't I'm not that. sure. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.